Welcome to Money's Alchemy episode 5. I'm your host Asfi. Uh, in this episode, we hosted uh, a really interesting, fascinating person, Amin, whose name is Amin Soleimani. He's, uh, uh, I've titled the episode, um, Born Privacy and Payments, or was it Born Privacy and Stablecoins? Not sure which one, but uh, uh, Amin says provocative things, does provocative work. Um, I got to know of his work mostly through studying and understanding Rai. Uh, Rai, you know, these days, these things have been called flat coins, but, you know, it's basically a stable coin, essentially. Uh, but the th- cool thing about Rai is it's the first uh, attempt at uh, using a PID controller, which stands for Proportional Integral Derivative. It's a controller used in uh, engineering. Um, it's uh, uh, quite often. I'll, I'll, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown on how Rai works, and then uh, we're going to get into this conversation with Amin. So so Rai is this um, unpegged uh, um stablecoin which you know it looks seeks to minimize volatility by uh, reducing the gap between market price and redemption price uh it started at 3.14 uh but you know it could have started at any figure um the way you create rai is uh, very similar to the way you create dai it's like a collateralized debt position meaning you deposit eth and uh, against a certain collateralization ratio you uh, you borrow uh, Rai. And um, the goal of the protocol is simple, which is to keep market price equal to redemption price. Uh, but instead of changing redemption price, what it does is it changes the rate of change of that redemption price in order to try to bring it in line with market price. So it's created, you deposit ETH, uh, you take out the loan. That's how Rai is created. Um, in terms of its stability it's uh, i mean this is this thread is a bit old but um you know it's uh, uh it it does manage to achieve uh, you know the the lowering of volatility uh, how it works is as follows that if market price is greater than redemption price uh the protocol starts reducing redemption price gradually uh, in order to bring down uh, uh the market price and the rate at which it re- reduces the redemption price, that's what they call redemption rate. Um, on the flip side, when the market price is um, less, uh, they do the opposite, where they will start um, gradually uh, increasing uh, the redemption rate in order to increase the redemption price. Now, what's a PID controller? It's a, I call it a human fat finger dampener. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Amin explains it uh, in, in one of his talks as, uh, you know, like think of a shower when you're trying to find the right temperature um, between hot and cold. You, um, you know, you may turn the knob all the way for very hot water and then, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll tune it uh, slightly in order to get the temperature just right. Uh, that's kind of what uh, a PID controller is doing. Um, in my thread, there's this video uh, that that uh, that does a great job explaining uh, what a PID controller is. I do recommend checking it out if uh, um, you know if that's uh, if that sparks your interest. Uh, the other key feature of Rai, which is worth highlighting, is you know they're very big on ungovernance, or just uh, you know not relying on governance, keeping it as uh, immutable uh, as possible. Uh, and um, and yeah, and that's you know I've written a few more things in the in the thread that you know you are welcome to uh, check out. But um, I um, 
thoroughly enjoyed uh, this conversation with Amin uh, and uh, hope you will like it too. You said something pretty provocative that I read that I really enjoyed that that's what I want to start with. Sure. I'd like you to elaborate on that. And then you, you said, if I can't put my dick on something, it's not decentralized. That's yeah. what I want to start with. Explain that to me. Uh, why is why is dick important to decentralization? For context, uh, so, you know, I'm the CEO of SpankChain and my day job, I run a porn uh, payments company. <clears throat> we provide payment services for adult performers. Uh, we experiment with a lot of new, you know, tools, technologies, etc. And like decentralized social media is a thing. And so that was a, a statement in the context of decentralized Web3 social media, where, you know, if I can't upload a picture of my penis onto your social media platform, then like, perhaps it's not decentralized, because a lot of these platforms, even though they say they're decentralized in Web3, they have some sort of centralized moderation team behind the scenes. That's you know, that's a mean stick, can't have that on our platform, you know, moderated app. Uh, there are good reasons <laughs> uh, to do this kind of moderation, right? Uh, you might want to protect your users, you might have underage users, uh, you might not, you know, have the age verification systems in place for the people who are uploading content. Uh, it's not necessarily that you are, you know, uh, not decentralized, it's just like, probably um, that you're not uh, properly decentralized web three social media. That makes sense. I get that. I get that. Tell us, tell me a bit about Spankchain. How did, how did that happen? And, uh, why, why Spankchain? Uh, how did, how did you get interested in, in working on that? Yeah. So Spankchain, we started, I don't know, six, five, five years ago at this point. Um, it was, uh, early explorations into bringing the benefits of, uh, crypto, uh, to the adult industry. Uh, we started by making a cam site called mm. Bank Live, where you could tip people using actually the first layer two on Ethereum in production. Uh, mm. We had a payment channel system uh, that we built. Uh, and so we made the system to try and support, you know, uh, adult performers uh, with crypto. Um, the cam site we pivoted away from, we moved to a system called SpankPay. Um, that we had live for about four years um recently just had to uh pause that because uh we got rugged by our payment processor but oh, no. while operational uh we were able to provide a basically crypto tipping service for performers and businesses it's like a checkout you know kind of like a bit pay but um you know you can pay in bitcoin eth and stuff the the, the main motivation for doing this is because uh you know, we, we looked at the industry and saw sex workers, especially as like an underrepresented group uh, mm -hmm. that frequently gets kicked out of banks, payment processors, uh, you know, things like that. And we were trying to help, you know, bring crypto to them because, uh, you know, th they'll be less likely to get, uh, well, if, if they store money in their wallets, then you know, nobody's going to close down their like wallet. <laughs> no, for sure, man, for sure. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm from Pakistan, born and raised, uh, and you know, I can, I can relate with, you know, what, what it's like to get shut out, <clears throat> just because, you know, I mean, you've tweeted about that. You've, you know, tweeted about, you know, injustice. By the way, did you, did you grow, uh, did you grow up in Iran or like, did you, uh, you born and raised uh, yeah, yeah. In DC, uh, outside of DC? Yeah. So got it, got it, got it, got it. Much time in Iran. 
Yeah, but you you get the idea, right? That like, I mean, it's 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 annoying that like you know, eighty plus million people can get uh, marginalized from using a service just because they were basically born in a certain geography, <laughs> and yeah. you know, there, there's like sanctions uh, that you know are mandated, and then there's like sanctions over compliance, which is like people, you know, banks actually just kicking you out because they don't want to deal with the overhead of the costs of complying with the sanctions, you know. Uh, and sex workers fall into a similar category where the banks just simply aren't interested in dealing with the compliance costs of, of having sex workers as clients a lot of the time. And so they get priced out, you know, of, of having access to banks. It's not the end of the world if one bank closes your account. It's pretty close to the end of the world if you lose access to banking, generally speaking. Uh, so... No, have- totally, totally. I hear you. And I mean, yeah. meet Manny. Manny's Manny's one of my co-hosts. I don't yeah. know if you guys have met. You've you've both been crypto a lot longer than I have. I mean, but uh, but, uh, but if you've not is that met, a real background you know, or is that digital? I'm trying to figure it out. It's real. It's real. <laughs> real. Yeah. I was like, this looks like the real stuff. Yeah. yeah. Man, this guy's That's my room. I only have a few cute things. I don't, not nearly as as much as you, but yeah. Uh, Amazing. Good to have you here, Manny. Uh, I mean, I'd sent you the intro, so I'm just going to keep it going. I know you've got a short time frame. Like, so, we've, you know, let's let's jump into, I mean, the next obvious topic, I mean, is, is it's privacy, right? Like we talked about and, you know, particularly like really impressed with, you know, the the approach you took. Um, let me see if I can get a, you know, this is a better way I can actually hold on. Let me focus this on you. Yeah. So look, um, privacy, right? You, you took an interesting approach uh, on privacy uh, for, I would say, f- fixing Tornado Cash. Uh, you know, you you took an approach that uh, at least I understood it as that. You know, there was a way of proving that you're not from a sanctioned area. Uh, can you talk to me a bit about that? I I, I, I mean, I, some of some of your motivation I understand. I mean, if I said something incorrect, please fix. But help us understand motivation to work on privacy pools on Tornado Cash and, and just what it is and also how it's going. I'm going to start with some disclaimers. Uh, we fixed uh, Tornado Cash in the sense that we made a new thing that doesn't have a problem that Tornado Cash had. Okay. Uh, American citizens are still not legally allowed to use Tornado Cash. Do not recommend American citizens break the law in order to use Tornado Cash. Uh, the promotion of Tornado Cash 2 uh, is also potentially uh, a conspiracy to violate international sanctions. So, you know, be careful about doing that also. Uh, I say this while wearing a Tornado Cash shirt, hmm. uh, but it, it says uh, I helped violate international sanctions. <laughs> uh, the story of our lives, you can buy them on Metafactory. Um, so... Why tornado cash? Why t- I'll probably start a little bit back, you know, with Please. like tornado cash proper. Um, and like, why did we make tornado cash to begin with? Right? Um, the, the Moloch Dow, Dow nonprofit to help pay for open source Ethereum funding, you know, with a bunch of people. Uh, we all funded tornado cash together, uh, because we felt strongly that we wanted tools to pr- pr- protect our personal privacy as individuals, right. Uh, if I wanted privacy a couple of years ago before Tornado Cash, what I had to do was usually send my money through some sort of exchange, right? right. Coinbase or Kraken or something. But low level support engineers can be bribed. And like then, you know, my entire transaction history can be discovered by anybody who 
knows how to ask, right? That's not very good for my privacy. Um, so we created a, a mixer. Uh, Tornado Cache was the second deployment of ZK Snarks in human history. Zcash was the first. There was like a thousand person plus, you know, trusted setup ceremony. Um, and it was working out pretty well for a while. Uh, you know, we, we, we set the admin key to zero. There were, there were some bugs beforehand actually. So we actually had to like move the verifier, you know, contract over and like, we're like, well, let's hope there's no third bug, uh, because we've set the admin to zero. We can't fix it if there's a third one, uh, YOLO, right. Um, we did that, uh, it was working, you know, basically as intended for a couple of years and then, you know, several hundred million dollars is hacked from Axie Infinity, the video game, <laughs> uh, allegedly by North Korea and finds its way into Tornado Cash several mm -hmm. months later. OFAC, the Office of Foreign Asset Control, uh, sanctions the Tornado Cash contract, which was the first time that a government, you know, a, a program was mm -hmm. added to the specially designated nationals terrorist list. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, Crazy. and your friend yeah. was put in jail, which was so sad. That's uh, right. It's and, absolute and injustice. It's been very heartbreaking to watch that. In the Netherlands, he's been accused of money laundering. He doesn't deserve to be in jail. Please, you know, follow. Uh, I think it's like free underscore underscore Alexi. Uh, yeah, Virgil. Yeah. E Y on Twitter. Um, you can find out more information about his. Uh, status and the efforts to support him and ways of donating. Uh, I may go to Amsterdam uh, in a month or two. There's like an ETH Amsterdam event. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you know, you're listening to this and you find yourself there, there might be some protests to support, uh, you know, at, at that time uh, and stuff like that. So no, for sure, for sure. It's, it's important. Uh, no, I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up. And, and absolutely, I think it's, it's a crazy injustice uh, to even like, you know, um, acknowledge that you know, basically guy wrote software <laughs> and, you know, for yeah. that, uh, this is happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's great. I don't want him in jail. I think he deserves to be free. I think, I don't think they have like a real case, but, you know, uh, we'll see yeah. what happens. But moving now to privacy pools, or at least the the fix that you have posted, which I think is pinned on your Twitter account. Um, what what is that fix, and uh, how does it solve the problem that I would say the V one had? So the problem that V one had is that you can't actually uh, help the regulators isolate illicit funds, um, and so their only real tool is to block the whole thing, uh, and so. We're hoping that this update, and so what this privacy pools allows you to do specifically is uh, when you go to withdraw, you are uh, you have the option of providing an additional proof, uh, ZK proof, zero knowledge proof, that you are not some subset of the depositors. So recall I said, you know, several hundred million dollars comes from Axie Infinity, goes into some wallets, and then goes into Tornado Cash, right? We know excuse me, all of the deposit addresses of all of the, those deposits, right? We know uh, which deposits there are. So what privacy pools allows you to do is when you withdraw, you can say, I'm not any of those deposits. It's not that you just say it, you publicly verifiably prove that you are not any of those deposits. And now this somewhat changes the game uh, because now I can actually voluntarily, willingly, uh, 
help the regulators isolate the illicit funds. I can say, look, I am not any of, of these deposits. Now, crucially, I don't have to reveal who I am, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. I am when I make this proof, right? Um, it would be very easy to say, hey, look, I'm here's my entire transaction history. So the <clears throat> take one step back. The equilibrium that is currently being proposed by the regulators in light of tornado cash being the thing that they understand uh, that exists is to allow uh, individuals to use tornado cash, but use the, there's a compliance tool that tornado cash actually built themselves. And it lets you get a receipt, uh, that, uh, that anyone can use to correlate your withdrawal and your deposit basically doxes, you know, you to some authority. And so you can use this. And so you would be required to basically prove using this receipt, uh, your, you know, which deposit you are. Uh, and proving which deposit you are basically gives your whole transaction history. Uh, and so the demand, the current proposal by the regulators, so this was uh, published in the St. Louis uh, Federal, by, by the St. Louis Federal Reserve. It was written by a um, professor of blockchain at uh, University of Basel. It's like the uh, bank, central banker, central bank um, community. Uh, but that they wrote an incredible report, best report about Tornado Cash ever published, was very impressed, shocked that at the end of it, it said Tornado Cash is an integral part of public blockchain infrastructure, blew my mind. Um, and then they added, but they, they recommended, you know, proposals like, oh, like, give all of your receipts to some regulated third party that is regulated by the Fed in order to like have privacy from other people. So, uh, at the time that they were doing that, like a couple months ago, when Tornado got OFACT, uh, I was properly demoralized because I didn't actually know this thing existed. Uh, and then in the process of trying to work on this, we discovered that there's this other model where you can actually prove that you are not, uh, you know, your funds are not mixed with the illicit funds, the sources of the illicit funds. Um, and now I can prove, I can, I can do the thing the regulators want, <laughs> uh, which is help them isolate the funds without necessarily needing to reveal my entire transaction history. Brilliant. So we're trying to, so right now, privacypools.com, uh, it's on Optimism Testnet, trying to build a community around it. It doesn't work very well right now. You'll notice it's like a point and click, you know, setup. Uh, you have to like click the individual deposits that you do not want to associate with. So you're like going down the list, you're like, you know, deposit three, you know, maybe this guy smells bad, deposit four, you know, they're terrorists. Um, we actually had two uh, deposits come in that we had to flag. Uh, and, you know, it was funny uh, because there, there was a tornado cache on the Gourley testnet and it got sanctioned. Uh, and then ETH came out of the Gourley, Gourley ETH came out of the, the Gourley tornado uh, and worked its way up the optimism bridge into the privacy pools contract, right? So then we told all the users and tweeted, I was like, hey guys, there's a potential OFAC violation. Uh, make sure you exclude deposits 63 and 80, you know, when you go to withdraw, because those came from a sanctioned illicit source, right? Obviously this is not real uh, in, in terms of like how this is gonna work, but like it, it, it it's, it's a valuable demo yeah. uh, to help the feds, to, to help the federal uh, bankers, the regulators, everybody understand that this kind of thing is possible and try to coordinate a larger group effort to work towards this kind of thing. Fantastic. 
I haven't heard of this either, and I've been trying to track the whole development of Tornado Cash and OFAC for. Oh, you for hadn't? He he's all over his because the there were a couple conferences um, earlier this year, I think, or last year, uh, around this question, and I, I think almost all the proposals involved some form of doxing or trust in a third party which we know in the long run just kind of creates a honeypot of, of information then that gets, you know, hacked or leaked. In, in some yeah, way. I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. No, this is fantastic. Yeah. I, I didn't like any of those proposals, even the ones I proposed myself. Because uh, I was like, I, you know, I don't want to make this. I don't want to use this. I don't want to... Uh, <clears throat> like, somebody asked me, like, would you, would you kick all the bad guys off of Tornado Cash if you could? And I'm like... I don't want to be responsible for having to pick who the bad guys are for everybody. Uh, I don't actually think anyone should be in charge of picking who the bad guys are for yeah. everybody. Yep. So yeah. this thing fits within my, you know, sort of worldview of like this, this in my view is actually in some ways strictly better than tornado cash uh, because given the option to not have to associate with some subset of the users, I actually prefer having that option. It's free association. I might not want to be, you know, sharing uh, an anonymity set with illicit actors, right? When I use Tornado Cash, I don't have a choice, you know? So yeah. in my view, this actually gives me more choice as a user uh, to be able to, you know, disassociate from people uh, that I want to. But just because we use the same smart contract for privacy doesn't necessarily mean that you also using it forces me to be part of your anonymity set. Yeah. The versa, right? The the reason I like this proposal, well, I, I guess I have mixed feelings about privacy pools. And on the one hand, I think that the federal government overreached in terms of their sanctions, right? I mean, the, the, the times that they OFACT other addresses before is because they could prove that these were associated with Iran or some other sort of sure. group. And here it's kind of OFACing that whole technology is a little bit excessive. It's like OFACing email in, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, and so I was hoping that that would go through the courts so that we would get kind of our Fourth Amendment rights and all this other stuff kind of back. Um, on the other hand, this might actually, you know, if they see that there's an alternative tool, they might actually drop. I, I well, think. The proposal, as stated by the St. Louis Fed, was like, you can have tornado cash. You just give us all the receipts, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so like this isn't this isn't necessarily about like where OFAC decide, like what OFAC is allowed to sanction. Around. I guess that's part of it, right? If they can't sanction, yeah. them, you know, but maybe they, they make the some other thing that, you know, makes it so you can't use. Yeah, you know, I, I find it to be this. I find it to be a very clean solution. Uh, what you're proposing. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is like maybe something that they are cool with uh or at least like don't have a good way of attacking <laughs> yeah uh, well just to clarify my position was i would hope that the supreme court would make a ruling that would clarify what our rights are as citizens yeah because uh, something like this happened Asfi, i don't know if you know in the 90s uh there was uh, i believe he was a grad student that became a professor at berkeley and he was publishing cryptography mm -hmm. Uh, code and uh, back then it fell in their kind of munitions regulations and so he yeah. challenged that you know on their free speech and what mm -hmm. ended up happening is I think the government knew that they were going to lose so they just stopped enforcing uh, 
the ban, right? So that the trial would not actually get to the Supreme Court and then get a negative ruling, I think. I've turned my shirt around so you can see that you're like, we're, we're inspired <laughs> by the cypherpunks of uh, before and like printed out our tornado cash, you know, code on the back of the shirt. That's a beautiful, that's a really cool shirt, man. They, I think I'm going to get one of these. They used to print out the like RSA encryption, I think. Yeah. Uh, algorithms like on t-shirts when it was like, uh, the export was banned under the Munitions Act. Yeah, so that's the current problem. Is this is all technically all these laws are technically still on the books. Like the Supreme Court hasn't made a ruling, and it's because the government stopped enforcing, so that you know there was no standing for for any other plaintiffs. But technically, that is munitions, and you still should voluntarily tell the government what you're doing. Right. Nobody does it. Yeah. Right. Speaking of which, so let's. So I mean. We, the re, one of the reasons Manny and I know each other other than common investors is we're both money nerds. We uh -huh. love, uh, I mean, coming from different uh, perspectives, different backgrounds, obviously. But, you know, uh, so Manny, as I said in my email, it's, Manny was an advice, helped co-create Ampleforth. Uh, mm -hmm. Manny is a financial historian with Hoover Institute. He's very deep into history of money and theory of money. Cool. And obviously you've been, you know, the demonstration you've done with Rai, it's the first time I learned what a PID controller was. Uh, for me, learning about Rai brought a lot of joy to me. So, uh, and, you know, just talking to both of you and learning from both of you has brought a lot of joy to me. What I want to do in the next section is I've heard both of you guys, uh, which I've heard a meme talk about, uh, you know, he's got this meme with the Milton Friedman saying, hey, you know, replace the Fed with the computer. And I wondered in my sleep or sometimes when I'm walking around Golden Gate Park, okay, let's say if it happens today, you know, the Fed yeah. is replaced with the computer. What happens then? How is the computer going to make decisions? What is it optimizing for? I want us to just talk about this for a bit. Starting with you, I mean, like today, the yeah. Fed is replaced with the computer. What happens? I was just going to say, that's the Milton Friedman proposal, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have a T-shirt, another one on Metafactory now. Uh, it's a giant Milton Friedman head, and just says "Replace the Fed with the computer." Yeah, you know? you, you post that a lot. You post that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I post it a lot too. Uh, it's a good meme. I like the meme. <laughs> it's a good meme. It's a great meme. I agree. I agree. But I want to imagine it today. These guys are all gone. Oh, yeah, what exactly. are they targeting? Are they regulating the short-term federal funds rate? Are yeah. they deciding whether to buy or sell mortgage-backed securities? What's what's the computer uh, doing? What's the computer sure, doing? Sure, sure. And this has to do with like, uh, you know, how much do I get to change it, right? Um, all of it, all of it. You, 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 you are God. I am making you God. What do you do? <laughs> I'm. Uh, it's tricky, and like, uh, I'll, I'll walk through the scenarios. I wrote, I wrote some of this down so I can like look at my notes and stuff. Of but course. okay, so. Uh, if I'm not changing that much, right, let's start from not changing too much, right? So it's like, what is the lowest hanging fruit, for example, to try and automate, um, you know, and for that, it seems like something like the federal funds rate, right? We complain that they raise it too slow. Uh, we complain that they raise it too fast, uh, raise it too high. <laughs> you know, there's some formula in all of our heads about like how much and how fast they should change rates uh, and in what response. And so usually it's in response to inflation. And there is actually a rule of thumb that central banks use to decide on the federal funds rate when they're concerned about inflation. And it's called the Taylor rule. It was invented by this guy named 
I think John Taylor in like the 80s. And after that, basically all the central bankers use this rule of thumb. And the rule of thumb is basically uh, if you're trying to get inflation to go down, you should make real rates uh, positive. You should raise the uh, federal funds rate that whatever the uh, interest rate is higher than the rate of inflation, right? Um, and so uh, this, this works uh, most of the time, right? So if I was going to automate things, I would probably start with that, right? Uh, if we had just stuck to the Taylor rule, for example, we would have raised rates sooner in 20, I think 21, and then we probably lowered rates uh, more in 2022. Uh, and it would have done the thing that we were sort of at the surface level complaining that the Fed wasn't doing fast enough. In fact, like there were Congress people who literally brought up the Taylor rule in congressional hearings when asking the Fed, like, hey, are you going to stick to the program? Right. Uh, and it's like, it's not explicitly coded, right? There's no like Taylor, you know, uh, thing that, but it's like, it could be right. Maybe some of the federal funds rate is simply just the Taylor rule. Maybe there's a buffer. Maybe they get to like, you know, there's an 80% Taylor rule, 20% fed, and they can like, you know, they add the two and then that spits out some final rate. Right. So there's, there's some amount of discretion, but, uh, the reason that the Taylor rule doesn't always work, the edge case, the reason that like, the, the stated reason why the Fed doesn't automate itself today, I went on down this rabbit hole. I was like, what is their justification for discretion, right? Uh, like, what are they, what are they, what, what are the federal people, you know, use to justify their, them having control over all these knobs and, and, uh, when people are demanding that they, you know, follow the Taylor rule? Uh, and it's like the Taylor rule uh, breaks down at the zero interest rate bound. Uh, so we know how to raise rates. Uh, but we don't know how to make raise r rates negative uh, very, very effectively. Um, and the reason why is because like, I can't turn your $100, I can make your bank deposit go down, right? But I can't turn your $100 bill into a $99 bill. Uh, <laughs> maybe one day with like CBDCs or something, you can actually properly do this. Um, but the way that the bank, the, the, the central banks, um, basically make up for not being able to make rates negative is they print a bunch of money. So they simulate inflation. They, they induce inflation uh, by printing a bunch of money uh, and buying things and making prices go up and giving money to people in order to spend it. And they, they tend to do this when like growth is, 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 is down in order to, you know, simulate growth. Uh, and you can't really do that in an automated way. What do you buy? Right. Uh, how do you decide what to buy? Right. This is things that require discretion. Uh, you with me so far? Totally. Keep going. Okay, cool. Um, and you can share your screen if you want, if that helps you uh, manage. Uh, it won't help you. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just like look weird for a second and then go back to talking. Um, yeah. So Ben Bernanke and Yellen actually both have essays about justifying discretion. Uh, and they both bring up the zero... Uh, interest rate bound. Um, and they both use that as like why they should still have, you know, discretion. So um, I would start with that. And and, and, and part of the, uh, the zero interest rate bound is actually like one part of it, but there's another part of it where like the Taylor rule actually breaks down. Um, and this is just like an edge case in how money and central banks work. Uh, and this is like, uh, if if there's too much debt uh, and you raise rates, 
then you actually have to spend a lot of money to pay the interest because you have to pay the interest to all of the debt, right? There's some, you know, turnover, uh, not all of the debt turns over at the same time. So it takes a while before all of the interest rate is applied to all of the debt. But if you keep interest rates long, high enough for long enough, then the interest rates applied to all of your debt, you have to make a lot of payments to pay all of that uh, interest. The, the balance sheet for the government, you know, and the central bank together is like income equals expenses and income is like tax revenue plus seniorage uh, money you print uh, equals government expenses plus interest payments on your debt, right? So in the scenario where your economy is not growing a lot, uh, you have a lot of debt uh, and then you raise rates, well, you're going to have to spend a lot more money to pay for the interest payments on that debt. Where does that money come from, right? The money comes from printing. And when you hit that point of your uh, deficit spending debt loop, uh, you cannot fix it with raising rates. Uh, in that situation, in that situation specifically, raising rates is actually inflationary itself. Uh, and that is like this weird edge case uh, where <laughs> uh, you try not to hit that. Um, and this is where like the, the independent central bank doesn't actually have any power uh, to prevent this kind of thing because it's the government going into so much debt, with the fiscal policy, you know, failures uh, that result in this kind of thing. So I was I was just about to jump in on to to highlight that. So it's funny you mentioned the Taylor Rule um, at the Hoover Monetary Conference, which is uh, in May this mm -hmm. year. One of the panels is going to be the Taylor Rule at thirty. You know what have we learned right. or not learned? Um, the framework that I like to think through when I think about inflation is um, kind of one of uh, kind of like financial sovereignty and realizing that it's actually divided between the central bank and then, you know, whomever your fiscal authority is. Mm -hmm. So you have a monetary and a fiscal kind of sovereign in most states. And the historical example for that is, um, you know, kind of the, the four great inflations, right, of, of uh, that happened in post-war Europe, right, where... Um, well, let me let me take a step back. I think a lot of people in crypto think that inflation is a type of function on the money supply. And that's mm -hmm. not necessarily true. And I think what the study of the forward grade inflation shows is that, in fact, it's a function of expectations. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in that case, the central banks themselves were unable to tame inflation. You really needed a new government regime or a new party or a change, uh, a credible political commitment to a new type of budget. Mm -hmm. And once you reach that budget agreement, then you see empirically inflation just flattens out, even mm -hmm. though the money supply continues growing for like 10 more years. So it's mm -hmm. actually not directly a function of the supply of money or credit, all these things. It's really this this forward looking type of expectation from the rest of the market. And so, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Jay Powell knows the history of the Fed and he doesn't want to be Arthur Burns. He wants to be Volcker, but like he can't do it alone in, in some ways. Right. We had a fiscal retrenchment in the in the early 80s in the United States as well. I mean, we sort of forget about that. He also can't be Volcker because the debt to GDP when Volcker yeah. was in office was 30 something percent. And now it's like 130 something percent, which means uh, commensurate interest rate rises cost four times as much. You know, right. I mean, <laughs> one could argue that he's supposed to do that. And if you automated it anyways, the fiscal side of the government would, in fact, get its house in order because they say, OK, we can't continue issuing more debt because then the debt payments will outpace revenues. But you know. 
Manny, same same question for you, and then I wanna yeah. I wanna go a bit dig a bit deeper. I mean, you know, by the way, I mean that that's really like that specificity that like you know maybe just start by uh, you know implementing, and I get I mean just, I hear you on the edge cases, right? But I think that would be like <laughs> a step change improvement compared to you know where we're at. Uh, Man- the thing I'll I'll just add there uh, is like because he, he's also choking, so he can't talk. Uh, <laughs> The thing I'll also add is that um, it would be nice to have like components of the federal funds rate, for example, uh, like Mm. a short term rate and a long term rate. So like one of the things that Rye does is has like it's a PI controller, right? Just means you have a proportional term, which is proportional to the current error uh, difference, you know, between the price and the peg price. Uh, And and then you have an integral term, uh, which integrates the error over a longer period of time. And so, you know, uh, tomorrow, if there's a, a, a big spike, then the P rate, you know, kicks in right away. But if it goes away, then it goes back to zero. Whereas the integral, like, might take months to ramp up and then months to wind down. You know, it would be dope. It would be very cool if the federal funds rate uh, had like, here's the short term component, and if inflation goes to zero tomorrow, like this component will go to zero. Uh, here's the long term component. Uh, you know, if inflation goes to zero tomorrow, this will decay at a rate of X. Brilliant. Right. Even things like that would would be helpful because uh, one of the ongoing speculative questions about what the Fed is going to do is like, is inflation getting, you know, if, if given that inflation seems to be getting better, like, are they going to cut rates sooner or not? Or like, are they going to keep it for a while? And it's like, tell me which part of it is which, right? <laughs> uh, tell me how to think about the decay function. Tell me, you know, but, but because uh, of what you said, uh, where like, it's all ex- expectation driven. Uh, the Fed has a really weird job in the system. Hmm. Uh, they actually ha- are like their job is to professionally gaslight everybody all the time. Right? <laughs> uh, if they told you tomorrow that inflation was going to be bad, then inflation would actually be worse than it otherwise would have been because you're going to go out thinking inflation is going to be bad and spend a bunch of money today you otherwise wouldn't have. And so for the system to work, that's their job. And like, we can't actually be mad at them for like lying to us every time because like they're, they're, that's like well I wasn't li- I was trying to alter your behavior with information. Well, it's, it's yeah. not it's not really lying. I mean, so it, it's a, it's a very 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 long term like iterated lying. game, right? It's so lying. it's just their job. It's like yeah, well, it, it's a balance, right? You can't you can't ruin your credibility by lying all the time, you know. And yet at the same time, they need to reserve some room for themselves to change their mind after the fact and so it's uh i'm sure this could be modeled mathematically as a very very complex set of behavior beyond models what really blows my mind is like looking at the euro dollar curves it's like you know for Mm -hmm. the last uh, year you look at the euro dollar futures and it's just like the market just doesn't believe the fed (laughs) it's almost like all the time it's just like they don't believe the fed but i don't want to get too lost in that Manny, uh, you've also designed a uh, or helped. By the way, I'll just say the market is really bad at actually predicting things like where rates will be, where inflation will be. Like you see the historical curves that they project, it like never actually matches what ends that, up happening. That's also a good so, point. That's yeah. also a good point. That's a very good point. But but Manny, you've you know thought about monetary systems, designing one with Buttonwood, with Ampleforth. Like same question for you. You, you know. Like, Fed is replaced with the computer. I mean, you know, what 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 do you do? <laughs> we get a rebasing function that takes money out of our pockets, or what what are we gonna do if if, if it's your proposal that's going up? So I might 
differ from Amin on this. I think um, state-controlled system of currency in, in the way that, you know, if we have a central bank, which is, you know, a fiat currency uh, and, uh, you know, central banks as they're conceived today with, uh, you know, a fiscal authority as conceived today. I actually, I'm not entirely sure that we I would wish to automate that. I think the, the change that I would make is um, remove kind of the hostility towards privately issued monies. Um, I think, and, and I think privately issued monies, because they, they have a credibility problem, which government institutions in general don't have, at least in, in stable states. Um, and I think privately issued monies benefit a lot from the credibility of having a transparent mechanism that manages their value and supply and all these other things. And I think in the long run, having privately issued monies provides a type of constraint on the performance of state issued monies, right? Suddenly you can't just inflate your banking sector into infinity and then, you know, be bailing them out perpetually and then having that affect how you conduct monetary policy because now you're afraid that the banks, like suddenly you're no longer in that trap because it would have been flagged much earlier when people start moving money from, you know, their, their value from state-issued money into private money. And, and, you know, you see something like this with banks, right? So usually um, they uninsured depositors are supposed to move deposits around and that's supposed to then provide the discipline to banks to actually manage risk effectively. And if you insure the deposits, then they lose all the discipline because now they're competing on gifts, website, advertisement, rather than competing on risk management. And so I think something like that would be. And let me try to ask this differently. Yeah? Like, as in, uh, like, I yeah. mean, of course, you know, a lot of my perspective shaped from, you know, doing business not in America, right? Like a lot of my mm -hmm. perspective shaped from, you know, trying, building a business elsewhere, then I migrated to this country 2017. So I, my view as an outsider is that, you know, if the Fed disappeared today, like literally today, and like, you know, even let's say if I buy magic, the US government disappeared today, the dollar system will keep on running. Ah, yes, that is probably true. Yes. It'll like, because, you know, the, for example, the banks I've dealt with in, you know, building my in business I was trying to build in Pakistan, like, you know, it, it, like this so-called euro dollar market or the offshore dollar market. I mean, it's like, uh, it's, it's basically like a beast of its own. It's kind of running by itself and, you know, and in, in, in many ways it's, it's become way bigger, way bigger, uh, you know, from Dead our currencies liability. circulate for a lot longer than the states that issued them. So you had Iraqi dinars made out of paper that were circulating in the Middle East for a long time after that regime ended. Same exactly thing, right. Know. Great point. Great, great point. So, so I guess that's I guess that's kind of where like you know the thing comes that like you know if I mean okay I guess so, so okay I, I guess I get now I guess I do understand your point. You're saying that you're not like you know you're saying like you know embrace competition of private money, but not but not necessarily like automate the Fed. Is that yeah, and the reason for that is. Uh, I used to have a position closer to a means, and I think it's as I've seen kind of this political dance play out in real time between the Fed and the rest of the government. And you can see that there it's almost like it's a weird game slash negotiation that they're trying to do. Right. Where one is trying to induce the other into cutting back on budget expenditures. Right. Why do they have to blow another trillion dollars? And like that doesn't make any sense by raising rates. Suddenly you can't do that in the next round. Right. So. There's this weird political dance and, you know, in some ways, I think that that's, that's probably for the best. Um, I, I think we are at that point where, 
you know, if we had automated the Fed, I don't know, back in the 50s, that might have been, I think, the right answer. But I think we're now so far gone from that system that I, I think that it would not solve anything. It might actually raise the risks, as, as Amin was pointing out. Makes sense. Makes sense. As much as I love the idea of automating money, you know, like, trust me, I love the idea. Intellectually, it's wonderful. I think private money should do it. But I think at this point, we're at a place where it, you know, it's it's like taking the medicine weight. It's like getting the vaccine after you've gotten sick. Yeah. Right. Just right. On the uh, uh, euro dollar private money aspect of this, um, it's not just private. It's not just like euro dollar because if it's dollar denominated, uh, it doesn't really protect you against like uh, CPI mooning, you know, US dollar inflation, especially mm -hmm. sudden US dollar inflation. Uh, right. Um, and this is something we're learning with Rye too, uh, where it's like, e even though, you know, Rye has the ability to have positive and negative rates, right? If the Fed printed $100 trillion tomorrow, uh, Rye value drops significantly immediately, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. a, a CPI denominated or something, mm -hmm. you know, real asset uh, denominated oil, energy, whatever, yeah, uh, would not lose its value, it would appreciate, you know, yeah. relative to the dollar uh, depreciating, right? And so, um, we also want that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you looked? Have you looked at Ducket that Friedrich Hayek described in Denationalization of Money? That's a pretty cool design. I'm a fan of that design. It's uh, in this is a 1976 book. Uh, it, you know, if you it's a, it's a, it's free PDF online. If you just control F Ducket, uh, it basic. I mean, it was basically like going to be like uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I've tried like imagining what it would look like as an ERC twenty. That like, but you that's know, what you, we have to do. I mean, yeah. economists of old wrote papers. We can write code. Right. Yeah, no, I do. That's kind of, I mean, that's why, I mean, yeah, that's a much longer discussion. I've been shilling like collections of essays and it was only in the last year that Asu was like, hmm, maybe someone should actually read <laughs> the ones that Manny's been telling us to read. I yeah. love though. I love everything you recommend. In Search of a Monetary Constitution. Check it out. Man. That is such yeah. a good book. I'm like still kind of going through all that, but, but uh, on the, on the ducket, like, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, I feel like, um, uh, I mean, lately these two. I mean, I'd been I'd been trying to imagine like you know what does it look like, and I kept get stuck getting stuck with the Oracle problem. But like lately, these two guys created a pretty interesting Oracle using uh, Bitcoin mining as a proxy for energy usage. Um, but anyway, that's that's I'm, I don't want to digress. I've got a mean for a few. Talk to those guys. Those there's a thing called LED. That's uh, the one. I'm talking to them. That's those yeah. are the guys. So basically, I mean, my very brief design was okay. Do because uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of immutable. Like I love the right. your governance free story. So yeah. I was like, you know, if we do LUSD only, and you know, we basically uh, track that uh, LED oracle, and uh, you know, we have that uh, Olympus's range bound thing to like uh, basically have auctions up and down. Then you know, we could like sort of track like a slowly growing uh, power i don't know how i mean Can I make, the, sorry manny you were saying I, I just wanted to make two quick points first if the u.s ceased to exist dollars would go up in value because you couldn't print any more of them oh they're it everywhere no this is historically what happens that is true Suddenly, if you can't true. issue it anymore it, it shoots up in, in value so this iraqi dinar that i mentioned actually retained its value just for that reason because the, the the minting plates had been destroyed this is uh, this is in george selgin's paper right yeah you yeah uh, yeah. Um, yeah. and then right. the second thing I was going to point out, um, so 
there's usually a fallacy that economists make in favor of CBDCs and against private money, which is saying money should be risk. Uh, what is information insensitive, right? A dollar should always be a dollar. But as Amin just pointed out, it's like, well, no one really cares that it's a dollar is a dollar. What we care about is that a dollar is equivalent to a relatively stable basket of goods. Mm -hmm. And so, in fact, government money is information sensitive. Mm. It's sensitive mm. information about monetary mm. policy and mm. fiscal mm. policy. Mm. Really. I like that. I like so that. That's Gary Gorton's argument about information in insensitivity, and I think it's it's wrong. It's it's a very stylized thing, but yeah. So, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, that's it. I was gonna. So last topic. I mean, uh, we know you have to go in fifteen minutes. You one one thing I really uh, admire and respect. There's a lot of things I respect about you, but I think one of the things I uh, respect a lot is uh, your intellectual honesty, uh -huh. uh, especially when it comes to your own work. Uh, in terms of reflecting very honestly uh, about what is good, what's working, what's not working. I think you're maybe the only guy I've come across in crypto land who's like written a mia culpa. Uh, I've, I tried to write one of mine, kind of didn't go all too well. But anyhow, that's, a, that's, that's besides the point. But um, I loved your Mia Kalpa on Rai. And I know you're, uh, you know, I kind of, when I listen to you, read your stuff, I'm like, I feel very mission aligned with this guy. And so, you know, I'm curious to hear today, we find ourselves March 31st, 2023. If you were to recreate Rai, like, what, what would you differently based on everything uh, that you've learned so far? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I think I've written a couple Mia Culpa like posts. Uh, mm -hmm. there was one that was like titled Mia Culpa. Uh, uh, that one was about me figuring out that Rye was not dampened ether and that we needed to update, you know, what we were telling people that Rye was, because when we started, we actually didn't know how the, like you were saying about all these papers, like Ethereum nerds learn by doing, uh, and then we make stuff and then we go read all the books about what we just did. Uh, and so we thought we were making something like dampened ETH. Uh, but because it's denominated in dollars, then the interest rates work to try to maintain the dollar price, right? Uh, and so mm -hmm. like it, it, to move it, to move Rye away from its dollar price, like costs money, so to speak, it like takes effort, you know? Um, but and so because the rates will try to counter any movement away from its dollar price now once rye has moved away it doesn't like remember its old dollar price and try and go back to what anything it was it just tries to stay at whatever the new dollar you know prices so um i think mm, in terms of what i would have done differently like that isn't something like that's like uh you know we didn't know what we were uh, sure. doing like, i would have been smarter or something you know maybe read more books uh and like understand better about how like perpetual swaps work uh and things like that right um other things people give me the criticism of like you started rye at 3.14 uh, <laughs> that was you know silly why didn't you start it at a dollar hmm. and there is a good reason why we didn't start rye at a dollar uh and mm, there you know but there is something we could have gotten the thing that's nice about starting rye at a dollar is like right now it would be like 87 cents and then you immediately know exactly how much like rye has for example dropped over its like entire lifetime of two years right if it was a dollar and five cents you would have known exactly how much it appreciated over its lifetime very you know uh 2.77 over 3.14 is like more annoying math right <laughs> uh so there's that um, the, the reason that we didn't do it though, was to try and break out of the like dollar gravity. Well, mimetic, 
you know, oh, if it's a dollar, it'll always go back to a dollar, right? That was the dominant paradigm of stable coins that we were trying to break out of because if, for example, Rye devalued as it has been and it was sitting at like 95 cents uh, in terms of the like peg price, people might think, oh, well, it's going to go back to a dollar and buy it up to a dollar, but that just pushes the peg price even further down. So uh, we're trying to make it idiot proof, you know, um, but m maybe, you know, what the result of that is it keeps out a bunch of idiots. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then or something, right? I was going to say, I, I was looking at, um, so Ample's uh, target is the 2000, because it was launched in 2019, yeah. 2019 CPI, just a dollar. Mm -hmm. uh, so the target keeps moving up. So you get this nice feature of like, oh, actually it has it has done its job of keeping up with inflation or whatever but um, you don't have more ample in your wallet you just have you have the same value of ample yeah. it's worth less yeah or worth well more. i mean with, with with spot the idea is that you now do have these inflation tracking dollars that are not rebasing they just drop sure, sure. but, but uh no, my, my point was i think the space oh, is moving away from getting fixated on dollar targets because now people yeah. are thinking about non-dollar things yeah um, so I think, I think I would have probably not done too much else different, like probably would have kept right, you know, 3.14 and like part of the, part of the explanation for this is like, some of this stuff is path dependent. Uh, I think you just need to start with like the easiest, purest thing mm -hmm. sometimes in order for it to like not explode, uh, and work because Rye might be small, but it hasn't died yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's not even like you know, it's, it's not like about to fall over as far as I can tell. Right. Um, so whereas like many other projects, uh, have, you know, haven't made it this far. Right. Um, and the benefit of that, it's like, yes, it has only one collateral. There's not a lot we can change. We like took out a bunch of the stuff that was even more complicated, like the staking. Uh, so there's like fewer moving parts. There's fewer things that governance can attack. Mm. Uh, uh, it's more obvious, you know, if something was going to be attacked, right? Like th these are all things that have contributed uh, to its safety, longevity, and I think will continue to be factors. And if we had, for example, made it multi-collateral, you know, mm -hmm. today there might be people saying, oh, well, add this other collateral, you know, um, and by limiting Rye, uh, we've sort of forced ourselves to grow in other directions where we're now promoting forks of Rye. Mm. There's a fork of rye um, built by an anonymous team called Thai. Okay. Uh, Thai what do they do? And that one's going to be a multi-collateral rye backed by like Steeth and Wreath. And the idea is that maybe some of the average long-term negative redemption rate for rye comes from the fact that you can get this opportunity cost. You know, you know there's this, I can get yield on staked ETH. And so maybe uh, I'm less willing to borrow and pay to borrow against raw ETH. Uh, but if I could borrow against staked ETH, I might be willing to pay. And so maybe the redemption rate would be positive in something like that. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then if you have a positive redemption rate, then you have like dollars plus plus, you know, then your your user is like, wait, why do I need dollars in the first place? Mm. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm now, I'm now I'm thinking, by the way, I mean, I think for me, the, you know, the most, um, I mean, cool contribution for Rai has been just like understanding uh, PI controllers. Uh, I think yeah. I really enjoyed your shower analogy uh, that you've given in yeah. a bunch of your talks. I think it's like such a 
useful uh, mental model, right? To think about uh, PI controllers. But I guess as I'm listening to you, I'm also thinking that like, yeah, perhaps the same controller, uh, you know, with uh, perhaps like underlying LUSD, I guess. And you know, that, uh, that LED Oracle, like, sure. you know, you could like, maybe the market price kind of becomes that LED Oracle. Like that could yeah. be, that's also like, you know, an experiment kind of worth doing and just studying, you Absolutely. know? Uh, we're talking to those guys. We're talking to other people. I think um, we're interested in making some more dollar-denominated rise that mm -hmm. are multilateral, mm -hmm. uh, the sort of next step. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that after that, uh, making like flat coins, which is like CPI-denominated yeah. or some other denominated, uh, is going to be pretty pretty cool. Um, the other like flat coins, you know, like FPI, it's kind of hard. Uh, there's like a lot of uh, yield that they have to earn in order to keep up with inflation. Uh, there's no magic bullet. Hmm. Uh, where if you made like a flat coin denominated rye like system, hmm. uh, they could charge you know an intrinsic negative rate, and that's just like the cost of stability, right? Hmm. Uh, it's a market determined. Oh, okay, you know I'm willing to pay seven percent, ten percent, whatever uh, to hold this you know flat coin and that gets paid to the people who mint it and that covers their you know cost of having to have this debt and i mean if you're in based on what you know now if your redemption uh price or i guess okay if your redemption rate was um trending positive over the long term like sure. what would happen like what would cause that to break uh like if the redemption rate was slowly going up uh, I mean, redemption rate goes up if people are oversupplying the collateral, right? right? right. Or the or, or, uh, oversupplying debt issued from the collateral, That's right? right? So I go, I lock up a bunch of coins, uh, you know, uh, ETH. What, let's say there's a multi-collateral one that has like OP and UNI and, and stuff like that. Like as long as I'm willing to pay to borrow against the collateral, you know, and the and the payment, you know, there's some stability fee, but that could be low, but maybe there's a like redemption rate and that's, you know, variable. Uh, that variable redemption rate gets paid to the holders of the debt. You get that. Right. And so it's just like very one to one farm to table. I call it farm to table yields because it's like, you know, exactly where it's coming from. It's not, mm. you know, um, mm. Mm. <laughs> so, amazing, amazing, amazing. I, well, I actually think this combo mm. of controlled peg stable coins. Mm. Uh, along with like arbitrary price feeds mm. uh, for things is like a massive unlock for humanity. Absolutely. Uh, it will let communities like the vision I have. So I told you about how I would replace the fed. If I like had to send the fed, like a pull request or something, yeah. but like the grassroots model of money is yeah. a bit different, right? It's like, how would I make money if it's like me and my community? Yeah. Right. And, and that's like, we pick a reference asset, right? Maybe it's the basket of goods that we all agree that we generally buy in common, right? Mm -hmm. uh, then we denominate our debt in that asset, mm -hmm. right? In that, in that price feed. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I can like throw my house into our whatever real estate trust. I don't know the TradFi terms for these things, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we put the house in the real estate trust and then I borrow against it in, you know, our version of, you know, my community's CPI or something. Uh, and then like inflation is this like weird thing, right? Like, like inflation is actually me getting out of the debt, right? It's like me buying or like uh, selling off the debt in order, you know, to, to uh, like, uh, you know, making, uh, putting too much money in, in the, the system, right? I'm, I'm creating yeah. too much 
these dollars and there's not enough supply, like demand for holding it uh and so it goes under the, the the peg price that would automatically you know set the rates positive or something uh and then my community can just like decide on essentially pre-negotiated exit terms right if somebody is trying to get out of this debt uh how how does the system prevent the other people from hoarding it in a way that would prevent them from getting out right and that's really where the like the pi terms come in right you can think of it as terms of like oh well if i'm trying to get out of this debt and i buy it up on the market and send this market signal like how long do i have to do that before the other people in the system are sort of forced to you know uh or like in, uh, more incentivized to help me out right um because otherwise you can hoard uh the coins and like demand a premium uh for somebody trying to exit uh the system and i think uh, this is basically how we get to money that's not a scam. Uh, like we have uh, money with like pre-negotiated exit terms. Like the Vitalik wrote this great blog post, right, where he compared Rye and Luna UST. Mm -hmm. and he like, if saw that. If you can't unwind your money, it might be a Ponzi. Hmm. That was the, the main conclusion. And it's like they couldn't unwind UST, the Terra, right? There wasn't enough people holding it, the Luna's uh, value went to zero because that's all that was backing it. it wasn't even close to, you know, comparable market caps. So uh, that that isn't a feasible way. But like what happens if you try to unwind the dollar, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the dollar is possibly a thousand times worse than Terra Luna, right? Uh, but it has aircraft carriers and nukes and all that, right? So to be unwound, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so like, somebody is going to suffer uh, because people are trying to unwind their dollars and it's not designed to be unwound. And so there's going to be a bunch of people holding dollar bags. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, uh, like Rye is kind of a community asset, right? <laughs> like it's an early version for like ETH community nerds or something, but you can imagine this for all of the future types of assets, right? Put my water reservoir and a water bank and mint some water dollars uh, with all of the other people who want to hold water dollars, right? Uh, well, the, the way that this I see this stuff scaling up and taking over the world is we monetize everything and we decentralize our notion of stability. We no longer custody stability. The, the concept, the idea of stability in a centralized yeah. entity like you know, the Fed, it's like giving FTX all our money, right? It's like, what well, you have our stability. Please don't abuse it. Uh, you, like you know, speaking of stability, I mean, one guy, again, I learned about him thanks to Manny, uh, James Buchanan, uh, also won Nobel. He, he wrote this uh, lovely paper like that. He said predictability ought to be the criteria for a monetary constitution. But anyway, I also know we're at time and I want to be respectful yeah, of your time. Out. You have to start running out. So. You have to start running. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, keep doing your beautiful work. Hope to meet you someday. Thank you. Hope. Uh, likewise, I hope this was informative uh, and yeah, thanks for having me. Great Thank meeting you, you Amin. Thank nice you, sir. Thank Take you. care.